right. Good morning and welcome to Chanel. We are so glad that you're here with us today. Joining us online, welcome. We are glad that you are a part of Chanel as well. And we're continuing our series, Come to the Table, by talking about the insiders. And this is going to be an interesting conversation, and we're going to spend a lot of time in John chapter 3. But to talk about the insiders, I want to tell a story from my youth group growing up. I grew up in western Kentucky, what I consider, and many of you probably do as well, God's country. Uh, but I grew up in, in western Kentucky. I mean, some head shaking, that's okay. But I grew up in western Kentucky, great church, and I had a, a great youth minister. And I had a great youth minister and a, a wild youth group. And so that's, a, that's a normally a really good combination. A very spiritual youth minister who, who really wanted to stretch us to make us think about how God was moving in our lives. But a lot of us had grown up in church. We were Bible Bowl kids, if you understand that imagery. We, we learned Scripture kind of rigorously. We understood it. We knew it. And so by the time that we all got into youth group, we had... We weren't bored with Scripture, but we were, you know, it's, we had all the answers is kind of what we thought. And there was a kid that grew up in my youth group that any time my youth minister, Brian, would ask a question, he would say, I think the answer is Jesus. Now, the youth minister struggled with this because he also believed that Jesus was the answer to everything, but he didn't understand that that kid was just messing with him. So it could be a question about, you know, who created the world? Um, that's Jesus. And Brian would just try to get there with him, right? He would try to be like, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of correct. You know, God created the world. In the beginning, God created. And, J and this kid, almost said his name, would just say, well, I think it's Jesus. And then Brian would wrestle with this. Now, I'm telling that story of that frustrating teenager to kind of just say, sometimes we think we know all the answers, that we've got it all figured out. And when we do that, we are showing people that we don't need help, that we don't need assistance. When we think that we've got all the answers to all of life's problems, we have this kind of insider mentality that we don't need assistance. We don't need people to come in beside us and say, let me help you along your journey. And so this morning, I want to tell a story about someone in Scripture who would be considered an insider. Somebody at his point, at this point in his life, that would have believed that he had all the answers, that he knew all the questions of life, that he wouldn't have struggled with anything. He was confident in his faith. He knew everything. He didn't need any help. But to do that, I want to just bring up probably what is the most popular. Don't show it yet, Miles, but if we were to just poll the room, what would be a scripture that we would all know? Let's just say John 3.16. Can we do it all together without using the screen? So, for God... Now let's do it in Greek as well. I'm fine. Um, all right, Miles, let's go ahead. Let's go to the, the scoreboard. Guys, that was 100%. I, I present this to say this is probably the most well-known, most common passage in all of Scripture. Uh, most of you all knew it by heart. You didn't have to have it on the screen. We know this passage, but do we know the story behind this passage? Because the story behind this passage is about an insider who recognizes for the first time in probably a long time, that he needs help, that he can't do it all on his own. And so hopefully this morning what I'm able to show you is that this passage that we all know, that we've all read before, we all have memorized, carries a lot more weight than we realize. 
So the story begins in verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. That first verse alone lets you know that this guy is an insider. He's a Pharisee, which means he understands the law. He's studied the law. He's trained under the law. The law makes sense to him. As he breathes, the law comes out. Like that is how Nicodemus exists. Every part of who he is revolves around this part of his identity. But it goes a little bit further because Nicodemus is a part of the Sanhedrin, which in Hebrew literally means like sitting together. It was a group of about 23 to 70 men who would sit together and would study the Jewish law. And they would make these societal decisions based off of their interpretations of it. And so, yes, he's a Pharisee, but it's almost like he's a, a super Pharisee, if, if I could use that imagery there, which I don't think is biblically accurate. But he, is, he understands it, and it pushes it a little bit further because he's, he's an insider. He knows the law. And not only that, he, his job, his purpose in life is to interpret the law. And to help others understand what is the law communicating to you at this point in junction in your life. And so as we layer that with who Nicodemus is, it's going to kind of surprise us when we learn that Nicodemus goes to Jesus. And look at how Nicodemus comes to Jesus. Does he come to Jesus during the day? Does he say, hey Jesus, can we get coffee together and talk about this publicly? What's your lunch plans today, Jesus? He doesn't. Nicodemus comes to Jesus secretly at night. So he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if we were not with him. He comes to Jesus at night, but look at how he reacts or responds to Jesus. He gives Jesus the, the rabbi title. Nicodemus would have been understood as a rabbi as well, someone who taught the law, who understood the law, who communicated the law. Yet he's giving this same title to Jesus. Rabbi, we know that you were a teacher who has come from God. This isn't sarcastic. This isn't meant to trap Jesus. This is an honest question. And so we, we start looking at who Nicodemus is and kind of start questioning what are his motives? Where are we going, Nicodemus? What are you really trying to ask Jesus in the secrecy of night? And I love, too, you get the plural there of we. I don't think that Nicodemus is the only person within the Sanhedrin that wants to know the answers to this question. Nicodemus may very well be the only one brave enough to go to Jesus in the middle of the night. But he's probably not the only one that wants to know who Jesus is and what Jesus is about. So we, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. You're starting to see the weight of these questions. You can almost see the, the doubt in Nicodemus. Like a good doubt, not a bad doubt. A good doubt where Nicodemus is, is wrestling with this. He's trying to figure out who God is. What is God doing in this moment with Jesus? He's heard about these miracles. There's a chance that maybe Nicodemus has seen some of the miracles, some of the things that Jesus has already done. But Nicodemus is questioning what's going on here. And this would have been puzzling to Nicodemus. Because up to this point in his life, Nicodemus likely had all of the questions in life that he needed. He had the answers to those. 
And maybe that's how you navigate life. You, you don't need help. You don't need assistance. You've got it all figured out. Wonderful. I would love for you to talk to me after and you can communicate how you were doing that from Monday to Friday. Love to talk about it. But Nicodemus probably felt that way. He had a lot of life figured out because he understood the Torah. He understood the law. But all of a sudden, someone comes into his life, into his world, and he can't figure it out. It's like he's asking, God, I've, I've had all the pieces to the puzzle, and yet now there's something here that I can't just figure out. So what does he do? He goes to Jesus in the night, and he says, who are you? At its core, that's what he's asking Jesus. Who are you? How are you able to do these things? And in verse 3, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now it's easy for us because we've read these stories. We, we know the text. When we hear this born again language, we have an application for that. In our context, being born again is, is being baptized, being forgiven for the remission of our sins. Like We understand that language, but Nicodemus probably wouldn't have. And it confuses Nicodemus because he understands church language, right? Even that idea of being baptized, that's church language. Coming forward, church language. He understands church language. But the way that Jesus responds to Nicodemus is confusing to him because he can't figure it out. I'm adding this over and over again, but think about the frustration of Nicodemus as somebody who has always been on the inside, now he is wrestling with what is God really trying to do here? What is this conversation leading me to? And look at how Nicodemus responds. <clears throat> how can someone be born when they are not old? Nicodemus asked, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. See, there's a, Nicodemus misses something there. Nicodemus is, is thinking about this earthly, this earthly birth where Jesus is talking about a spiritual birth, a rebirth. They've, they've missed each other. Like their, their trains are not tracking together. One is going in one direction. The other is going in another. Nicodemus doesn't understand this. He's like, this doesn't make sense. Nicodemus hears again, but Jesus is talking about above. There's two different things that they are talking about at the same time. And it's confusing. But look at how Nicodemus reacts. Because as, as insiders, as people who understand the language, the verbiage, what we often do is deflect in these moments. And we immediately say, nope, you're wrong. You, you dismiss and you reject. But Nicodemus questions this with grace. You see, he's still chasing this feeling of, I know that I'm missing something. I know, Jesus, that you were different that you are offering something that I've never experienced before in my life, even as somebody who has gone to church my whole life. Jesus, you are offering me something that this world cannot. And you can feel Nicodemus just wanting to understand and how frustrating it must have been for Nicodemus to feel like he can't grasp what Jesus is getting at because he's a member of the Sanhedrin. He's a Pharisee. He's somebody that should have all the answers to all of life's questions. I started at Chanel in 2015. 
I live my life by Kentucky basketball schedules. That was 2014, 2015, excellent basketball year for Kentucky. That's just when I moved here. That's how I remember things. I'm sorry, again, kids of birth, I get it. It's, it's what I've got to do. It's how I navigate life. But I moved here in 2015. And I'm going to be honest with you, I came in very confident. I had years of experience under my belt. I had just completed a master's degree. Like, I, I knew all the youth ministry language. I, I came in very confident. I knew everything. But I didn't know the people. I didn't know, like, your preferences and the things that you liked and the things that you guys enjoyed. But in my brain, as a, a confident young person, I thought, I can do this all on my own. I don't need anyone's help or assistance. And as I navigated this, I realized that I did. And there were people in this church, in this community, that helped me out in those areas. Now, I don't know if you know this about me, but years ago, I had a professor at Lipscomb tell me that if you want to be thankful for people, you need to be reminded constantly that they are thankful for you. And so I keep every single thank you card that anyone has ever written to me. If you go to my office, there's a box, and it's got every single thank you card that anyone has ever written to me. Now, if you write something hateful to me, that's trash. I throw it away. I move on. That's on you. But thank you cards, I keep. I do, and I cherish them. And so I was going through those recently, and I came across a card, and I'm going to show it here. I don't have it on the screen, but uh, it's a a card, and if you can see, it's from John Yates. And and I didn't tell John that I was doing this, but I'm going to read just a little bit from this card that I received um, right before, and this is an important John Yates detail, before football season. And so John Yates wrote this, Bryce, I would like to be among the first to welcome you to fall in Arkansas. Now remember, up to this point, I had not experienced fall in Arkansas. I'd been here in the winter, in the summer, and the fall was a whole new frontier for me. So I know you're interested in collecting sports and activity schedules. I thought I would share the Razorback football schedule with you. If I'm not mistaken, I think the church tries to plan most things around this schedule. <laughs> As you may know, the game times are announced by the, uh, by the SEC 12 days in advance, sometimes five days. Also, I've included a little Razorback tattoo for Judah. Since he is a little young to put it on his skin, you could just apply it to his car seat or bottle or wherever. It can be easily seen by others. I would be happy to uh, supply more of these tattoos in case you and Whitney need some, even during basketball season. And I include that because John also included a, a cutout of the 2015 Razorback schedule. Now, I I thought I knew everything, guys, but I I did not understand fall in Arkansas. And and all joking aside, the Razorback football schedule is a big part of this state's identity and focus. See, I, I was an insider. I knew church language, but I needed somebody to come in and say, hey, let me help you out a little bit. Let me give you a little bit of guidance in an area that maybe you're missing something. And John is still trying to convert my children to be Razorback fans. And it's, it, it feels like he, this should have let me know that he's not going to give up until he hears some woo pig. <clears throat> but you see this in this story here of Nicodemus, of somebody who, who thought he knew everything. He thought he had everything figured out. But in reality, he needed guidance. He needed somebody to say, hey, Nicodemus, let me show you what you're missing Let me show you a better way. Let me show you a life that is full, that is different, that is unique. That's something that the Sanhedrin cannot give you. 
something that the Torah can only lead you to, that you've got to go the next step. And so Jesus answered in verse 5, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Now Nicodemus understood being born of water. This would have made sense to Nicodemus. But what Jesus is doing is adding that extra layer, that, that heavenly element to it that would have been different for Nicodemus. He would have fully understood the immersion of baptism. Again, church language. This made sense to him. But now Jesus is talking about something not from this world, something from above. Remember when Nicodemus thought that Jesus was talking about, again, Jesus was talking about above. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. You cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And again, look how Nicodemus responds. How can this be? Again, these are not accusatory questions. Like Nicodemus needs to know. You can feel it at this point. He's like, you're, you're talking about something, Jesus, that I've never experienced. Something that is beyond me, something that is different, something that the Torah, the Sanhedrin, the way that I've been living cannot give me. Jesus, you are talking about things beyond this world. And he's still yearning for this. And Jesus responds, you are Israel's teacher. And you do not understand these things? Have you ever had those moments where somebody stops you and says, let me help you out. You think that you've got it all figured out, but you don't. Those are the hardest conversations to have, but ones that we need from time to time. When we think that we have everything in life figured out, someone stops us, not to be mean, but because they care about us. They want us to grow. They want us to be better. They want us to experience a different life. And that is exactly what Jesus is doing here. It's not meant to be rude to Nicodemus. It's just saying, hey, Nicodemus, I, I thought you had it all figured out. I thought you could do this on your own. I thought you knew all the answers. So very, I truly, very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. So now we're, we're getting into dialogue that Nicodemus, as a, a member of the Sanhedrin, like these are trigger words. These are words that would have provoked emotion out of Nicodemus. Where now he's, Jesus is back to talking Nicodemus' language. This would have made sense to him, this idea of the Son of Man, because Nicodemus would have been trained to look for the Son of Man. Everything that he, he crafted his life towards would have been identifying who was the Son of Man. And here Jesus is declaring that he is the Son of Man. Now again, think if you're Nicodemus. You're an insider. You know what to look for. You know the markers, the signs, the qualities. You know what to look for because you've been trained to look for this. And here Jesus right in front of him is declaring that he is the Son of Man. 
Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And this is where we get to that passage, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict, Jesus continues. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. This, you talk about stepping on somebody's toes. Because Jesus is calling Nicodemus out right in front of him. We're talking about doing things in the darkness. If we remember the beginning of this story, Nicodemus comes in the darkness. Jesus is saying, if, if you're ashamed of me now, wait till you see where we're going with this. If you're embarrassed to come to me in the light, think about where we're going in this ministry and this focus and this, this kingdom building that Jesus is doing. It's, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. So it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. And this is how the story in John chapter 3 ends. Nicodemus is only recorded in one gospel, and that is the gospel of John. But he has three different windows that we see Nicodemus. And it's a part of Nicodemus' identity in his life and his growth that is encouraging. Because Nicodemus doesn't stay in the darkness. In John chapter 7, Nicodemus defends Jesus. You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted. Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's been doing? See the change? John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus, Jesus in the shadows of the night. He doesn't want to be seen. He doesn't want people to know that he needs Jesus. At its core, that is why Nicodemus goes to Jesus in the middle of the night. He doesn't want to admit that he doesn't have all the answers. That he has to go seeking them out in the middle of the night. He does it because he's embarrassed. But in the Gospel of John, just four chapters later, Nicodemus is defending Jesus in front of the Sanhedrin, the very people that he has identified his whole life and existence with. But Nicodemus comes out again in John chapter 19. After the death of Jesus, with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus. This is the third and final time that we see Nicodemus the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. I love that John includes that. It's an important detail. He skips over it in John chapter 7, but he reinstates it in John chapter 19. Because John is communicating to us as readers of the gospel of John that Nicodemus is no longer afraid. Nicodemus now is in the light. Now Nicodemus is defending Jesus publicly. And what he does is he brought a mixture of myrrh and alloys, about 75 pounds. So it's been a, a large amount of money to do this. 
And there wouldn't have been glory in this because it was a state execution. Jesus wouldn't have been given a public funeral. Nicodemus is pouring in his resources into something that would never be seen by anyone. But he's willing to do it because Jesus changed who he was. When Nicodemus went to Jesus in the night, he thought that he had all the answers. But in reality, he needed help. He needed Jesus to show him a way that he was never prepared to encounter. Because Levi, or Nicodemus is willing to listen to Jesus, to trust Jesus. His life has changed forever, and he no longer lives in the darkness. Now he celebrates Jesus, even in the day. And so this week, this is my challenge to you. A lot of us here, in reality, we are insiders. We think that we've got all the answers. We think that we've got it all figured out. But just like Nicodemus, we need to make sure that we accept Jesus' invitation to the table. So this week, when you have opportunities of growth, maybe to stretch, to figure out where is God leading me in this moment? Don't immediately place your answers or your interpretation, but trust and listen to where God is leading you. If people come into your life and they're like, hey, Bryce, I've got a better way of life for you. I've got maybe a different method of doing X, Y, Z. You fill in the blank, whatever that is. Be willing to listen to people. Because even though we may think that we have all the answers, we still have room to grow. And that's exactly what we see in the life of Nicodemus. Let's stand together.